Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here, uh, deviation from our comic book talk uh, to talk about one of my favorite uh, subjects, and that's entertainment history. Uh, you might remember a few months ago we did a great conversation with Cliff Nesteroff about the history of stand-up comedy. Well, today we present a history of variety television. Amazing stuff when you think about how variety television has been such an important part of the television industry from its inception, uh, really bringing the uh, appeal of Hollywood and Broadway to people's homes uh, without having to leave and go to the theater. There's a new book that captures the uh, point of view of people who created the language and craft of uh, this very special kind of television, going back to the early days of Ed Sullivan and uh, the like to uh, the modern days of American Idol, today's late night shows and beyond. Fade Up 26, The Movers and Shakers of Variety Television, published by Kendall Hunt. We talk with co-author Mary Beth Liedman, and the book features 26 of the most illustrious and prominent award-winning producers and directors sharing their voices and addressing the power and influence of television as filtered through the Variety Looking Glass. This is an excellent book, a nice big coffee table book, and there are very recognizable names on here, uh, people like George Schlatter, the uh, Laffin producer and Lauren Michaels of Saturday Night Live, 30 Rock, and a lot of late night talk shows like Seth Meyers Show and uh, certainly the original Conan O'Brien Show uh, and, of course, Jimmy Fallon. So uh, really neat people. Also, uh, people like uh, George Stevens Jr., whose uh, father was a great uh, Hollywood filmmaker. Uh, Stevens Jr. also became a great uh, filmmaker and television guy, uh, very involved in the Kennedy Center Honors uh, uh, and also uh, a lot of other uh, great variety television. Just an amazing group of people. And uh, Mary Beth and uh, Steve Binder, himself a great television producer, uh, got together, made this book. Mary Beth did a lot of the legwork, interviewing a lot of these people, including Mr. Binder. Steve Binder himself involved with uh, the Elvis 68 comeback special, Diana Ross's uh, Central Park concert, where it started raining in the middle of the concert and she kept performing. Really big television moments, both on uh, network television and even uh, uh, cable. We talk about the innovations of uh, YouTube and the current platforms where it's a DIY world as far as making compelling video. And you don't need a network or uh, a cable network or whatever or a satellite company to make compelling television today. And we discuss that. And I asked Mary Beth about uh, some of these pioneers' thoughts on uh, today's television landscape. Uh, it's a great book, and I'm really happy to be talking to Mary Beth about it today and sharing with you this conversation on Word Balloon. Now, uh, Word Balloon today is brought to you by Amazon and our great relationship with Amazon.com because uh, I really think this is a book that uh, if you're interested in television history, you're going to want it on your bookshelf. Great book to have, and as Mary Beth and I say, uh, to look at the examples of some of these people's creations, um, which are on YouTube. I mean, going back to... Uh, 50s, 60s, and 70s television uh, that you can find clips on YouTube and compare when the uh, directors and producers are talking about these big moments. You can go and look up those videos and stuff. Well, to buy the book, I'd ask that if you wouldn't mind, come through the wordballoon.com portal to Amazon, and that way Wordballoon gets a little kickback. How about that? Uh, anything you purchase on Amazon uh, through the Wordballoon portal, we get a couple cents on the dollar. It's uh, our way of uh, Amazon thanking us for uh, bringing you, the listener, to Amazon to make your purchases. doesn't cost you anything more. They're all the same prices you'd get normally by going to Amazon.com. But instead, if you go through wordballoon.com and click on that Amazon portal, it will take you to regular Amazon, and you can do any kind of purchasing you want. 
So let's uh, start our conversation now with uh, Mary Beth Liebman. I hope to get uh, Steve Binder on the show as well. Uh, Mr. Binder and I had a conversation. Mary Beth's co-author, as uh, she says, in the, and, and really the spearhead of this project. And uh, I, I hope to get him on because uh, he's an amazing guy. We did uh, record an interview, and uh, my uh, computer promptly uh, uh, had a little hiccup, and we lost the interview. And it just breaks my heart. So I'm hoping to get him back to talk about his contributions to television. But in the meantime, you can get a sense of what the book is about uh, through Mary Beth's own excitement. But uh, she really did a great job of uh, corralling a lot of these uh, men and women who uh, are very important parts of uh, television history, from uh, shows like uh, The Jay Leno Tonight Show to uh, going back again to the 60s and 70s variety shows, and uh, certainly today's shows as well, including the co-producer of American Idol. So uh, these are the movers and shakers that have created the language and craft of variety television. And uh, we talk now with author Mary Beth Liebman about Fade Up on Word Balloon. Mary Beth Liebman, welcome to Word Balloon. Uh, Congratulations on a very engaging book about the history of uh, variety television. Well, thanks very much. It's nice to be speaking with you. How did this project happen? Well, you know, it's one of these stories that it's kind of, it's kind of very hard to conceptualize it. Uh, two strangers meet in the middle of a meeting, and one says to the other, you know, I kind of would like to, uh, to, get, to do something with you. And the other one says, well, okay, let's write a book. But uh, that's basically what happened. What happened uh, specifically was that Steve uh, was the head of a panel at uh, the uh, television academies annual seminar that they have for academics. They're incredible. They bring out 20 academics to L.A. every year, and um, we get wined and dined. And It's an amazing experience. It's, it's so that we can learn more about television from the experts. And it's, it's an amazing experience because there's 20 of us, and there's about six people on, every, on each one of the panels. And so... Um, Steve was the head of the director's panel, and uh, somehow I got into a conversation with him. Uh, then, and then at the end of the week, I also got a, into a conversation with him. And I have this tendency to give my card to people when I finish and say, if there's anything I can ever do for you, let me know. And so uh, I did that with Steve at the end of the conversation also. And he said, uh, thank you very much, and we shook hands. And the next day, he, he writes a note to me. Uh, and trust me, I have every one of these emails that I've gotten from all of these people involved in this project. It's something like 2,000 emails at this point. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's, it said, hi, basically said, hi, Mary, uh, uh, Sharon and I, Sharon is his wife, enjoyed meeting with you, and, and basically, do you want to write a book? And, you know, I thought it was spam. Um, and I said, I have no idea who this person is, except that I met him at, at this, uh, this conference. And uh, so I waited a day, never, ever close a door is my motto, and I write back and says, hi, Steve, it was really nice to meet you, too. And then the next thing I know, uh, I said, uh, well, what kind of book do you have in mind? And he said, well, I'd like to write a book either on Elvis Presley, because, of course, as everybody knows, he's responsible for the um, Elvis comeback in 1968, yes. and, uh, which is you know, a classic show on television. Uh, and uh, then uh, or on variety television. And... I wrote back to him. I said, you know, you know, I, I loved Elvis, but boy, I sure would like to do something on variety television. And he said, sure. And I said, great. And so uh, the next thing that happened is that we we kind of put it off for a couple of months, and um, we arranged to meet in Las Vegas in February of, of 2011. And uh, this, by the way, I had first met him in November 2010. 
And so okay. uh, in February, February 2011, and so my husband and I uh, drove, you know, flew out to uh, to Las Vegas, and we we met in Las Vegas for a weekend. And Steve and I sequestered ourselves in a room for uh, about eight hours, and we knocked out a an agreement, and we we and the outline for a book on variety television. Well, the outline of the book variety television it changed completely from when we originally conceptualized it. Um, but uh, but that was what happened, and that's how the book came to be. In what ways did it change? I mean, it's uh, what I what I find interesting is you've got a set of questions, and then you you know basically go through all of your your twenty six uh, interviewers or or uh, subjects, and uh, you know you get obviously the different answers to each question. Well, how it morphed was that first of all, this was supposed to be a textbook, um, and okay. it turned out to be much bigger than a textbook. It morphed, and that's <laughs> the only way I can the only way I can I can talk about it. Um, it was supposed to originally be a history of variety television, and Steve gave me carte blanche to talk to twenty five of his nearest and dearest friends, um, and he's the twenty sixth, um, and uh, and he basically opened the doors for me to open to talk to every single one of these people. And none of them said no in the end. Not one of them said no. And, and, and what, he, what I did was I, I talked to my doctoral students. I teach university and, and at Indiana University of Pennsylvania. And I had these doctoral students. I said, well, if you were doing an interview, what would make a really great interview? And I didn't want to do, it, I didn't want to do a book, an interview asking these people, well, tell me about your life history. Although I asked that question, and some of them were on for a long time, but but that's just the bio section, very sure. small section of the book. And then and then I said, well, what are the things that we're really interested in knowing, and how do we make this interesting for them, not only for us? So what I did was we came up with a set of questions, and I refined the questions. And the questions um, were questions that basically were curiosity questions that would look at television and look at variety television specifically in a different light. And as it turned out, uh, none of them talked to each other during this entire process. They were terrific. All the people in the book were terrific. They all knew they were being interviewed, but I specifically asked, and we asked them not to tell each other what the questions were. And Steve didn't know what the questions were. No one knew what the questions were except for me. And so I, I went in, and there's one, you know, as you are a great interviewer, clearly, I, the one thing I can do is I can talk, and I can, uh, I can ask people questions. And so I got to sit with these people for hours on end, literally, and ask these questions. And what's in the book is about half of the material I have. Um, I bet. Well, you know, Mr. Bitter said that you, you spent like three hours with each subject. Am I right? Yeah, I spent between two and three hours with everybody, except for one. Man. And, but it was just, it was an amazing moment. I mean, it was just, it, it, you know, to have, to be able to talk to the the primary people in any business and this one was variety television. I love television. I've loved television since I was born. My mother used to say that it was going to rot out my mind. So that it's, <laughs> so instead of that, uh, I just made it my my uh, profession. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> exactly. I I had the same thing. I, I you know I do a little bit of television, but mostly radio. So I understand. I grew up the same way. That's terrific. Well, the 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 people that you got for the book, my God, you know, really do run the gamut. Uh, from the early days of television, right up to, you know, the the executive producer of American Idol, for gosh sakes. Yeah, no, it's I mean, it's you know, I I um, 
I mean, TV is magical. I mean, radio is magical and TV is magical. If if only I looked as as great as I sound, you know, I would be on television all the time. <laughs> but um, I understand you. You've got some some real pioneers in in the book, and oh. you know, I, I want to give. I mean, there there's some obvious names like the George Slatters and the Lord Michaels out there that you know have have produced so much stuff. But I really do want to give the women there do that you spoke to in particular. So tell me about Ellen Brown. You know, she, you know, when I first started the book, she was this, she was the first interview we did. Um, and, uh, when I, when I first, when I first talked to her, all she could say is she says, I, I'm a secretary. I believe she said from New Jersey, I'm a secretary from New Jersey. Uh, and, and somehow I ended up in television. And uh, the, the fact of the matter is that she might've been a secretary for a long time. Uh, but television was television, and she ended up in L.A. and she learned the business, and she learned it very well. Uh, she learned how you know, she, her directing style is very unique. Uh, she loved television, um, and she was able to to carve out a piece, a niche for herself uh, with the Jay Leno show specifically, having acted as, as assistant director for some other shows. But uh, Jay Leno, you know, working with Jay Leno was her was her uh, bailiwick for I think 17 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, she was she was just a really interesting woman. Uh, she, you know, and she uh, she was dedicated to the show. So, you know, I, I, again, television was an odd an odd uh, vehicle. Uh, and early on, women there were a few women that got their foot in the door, and she was one of them. Um, and it wasn't that early either, but you know it was. But she worked with she worked with Jay Leno for over 17 years. It's a lot of people. I mean, I think that what you see in television in general is you see a changing in the glass ceiling. It's a different business than it was um, when uh, when we all started. I mean, I ended up getting my foot in the door in television by uh, taking my first class FCC license test. And um, you know because uh, because I wanted to go into TV. Okay. And so I looked for a place that the, I looked for a place where they needed women, and they needed women in engineering at that point. And so somebody said, "Well, go get your FCC license, and you'll be able to get your foot in the door." And so I did. That's fantastic. And, you know, that's not an easy test. I had to take the third class test back right. uh, in the seventies to uh, to get my first license, nineteen seventy nine in particular. So yeah, I do. I, I mean, yeah, first class license. That's like you say that that qualifies you to be an, a full-fledged engineer. Well, it did. Now, I mean, the whole system has changed, but it, for me yes. at least, it got my, you know, I mean, I had it, and, and therefore I got my foot in the door. Um, now, mind you, I will also tell you, it was the hardest studying I've ever done in my life. I bet. Uh, Absolutely. It was, it, you know, like, you know, what is physics? You know, I mean, what's a number? Uh, <laughs> what's, a, what's an ampere? Tell me what a volt is. Uh, exactly, yeah, hard yeah, science but, stuff. Yes, ma'am. But it, it was it was really interesting. I mean, it was just a really interesting. Uh, it was interesting because I'll tell you the advantage to it was was when I became a producer in television, it gave me the ability to be able to talk to engineers, and so I learned the language of engineering, and that has always always stood me in great stead. I ran a radio station for a while, and uh, you know to be able to talk to my engineers was really. I mean, first of all, I didn't expect it. Sure. But then second, but secondly, then I was able to become a different kind of creator. Understanding the uh, the parameters of the technical side of of the creative process, and it was fun. That's right. It was a lot of fun. Anyhow, uh, Ellen Brown uh, was it was Jay Leno's director, and they did very very well at it. And I think then then she left, and and her her the woman who followed her was uh, was Liz, and Liz came in, and she ended up uh, she ended up following her and following uh, Jay to the very end, and. Um, uh, Liz uh, was able to Liz Planka uh, 
yes. was able to uh, to follow it through. And you know, the conversation I had with her was, and there's always a question in my mind about this: Why did they take Jay Leno off the air? Not that Jimmy Fallon is not a fantastic show, which he is, it is, but I don't, I still can't quite understand logic of taking somebody off the air when they're number one. Um, and but anyhow, that's what happened, and it was a great show, and they they continue to do it now. Women in television has changed dramatically in the last, say, five to ten years, and you have many, many women that have come up through the ranks of being, you know, assistant, uh, you know, production assistants to writers to producers, and so and forth and so on. Now they're directors and uh, they run the, they run the entire shops. That's excellent. But, Go on. But uh, but but generally speaking, is it's still, it is still unfortunately a, a man's business, and not unfortunately, but the way that it is. Well, I would and, imagine. Uh, but I would imagine, as you say, though, it, it is getting – would you say it's getting better? I think it's getting better, but I think, you know, I think it's getting better for anybody who is not uh, – and, I, I, and certainly, please understand that I am not a bra-burning, you know, card-carrying great feminist. I'm a, I'm a feminist, but one that just believes in opportunities for women sure. based on merit. And, uh, yes. and And so what I see in the business uh, up and down the line, including my students, including myself – is I see that um, that people who are not men are getting who are not white men are now getting more opportunities okay. that that reflect the society uh, that created that creates television. I mean, television has changed, has also morphed. You know, that we have we have so many different choices. The universe has changed in television. Variety television has changed specifically, and I think that that's what we were trying to capture in the book is how much variety television has changed and how the creators of variety television all look at it differently. And that, it was fascinating. It's a fascinating, it was a fascinating uh, opportunity for somebody who is literally, <laughs> who is literally you know, a, a, a middle-class kid from nowhere. Uh, and I end up talking to these people, and they ended up talking back to me, which is what I was more shocked with. Uh, they actually found the time to talk to me, and it was really, it was really something else. No, honestly, um, I think you really got a, an incredible list of, recognizable names in addition to the people that we don't know but that do produce amazing television and um how do they see uh the new platforms digit you know uh the the streaming services youtube itself and the opportunities of i I mean you know beyond those traditional avenues to get on television and stuff now really an ambitious person really can make their own thing they do it all the time and and post them on youtube and get these incredible followings and they're able to create really compelling television. It depends on how you define television also. Well, video you know, I suppose. Go on. I mean or, or or an outlet. I mean the the social media, the the social media platforms, all of them have op- opened opportunities. Media is now open to everyone. Um everybody who's got a camera, anybody that's got a cell phone. And if you look up and down the line at at all of the outlets, you know, everything from news to to YouTube, um, uh, to Facebook, to Twitter. I mean, the, everybody is using all the social media platforms. And now they're all become part and parcel of the universe of entertainment. So that, you know, you do have people that can put a show on, and we're not going to talk about the quality of the show, but we're going to put, you know, a show on. If, and remember, we, get, we live in a world of millions of people. You don't need millions of people to get an audience. Right. It, let's say you get t- 10,000 people. That's 20,000 or, or so eyeballs, if any of anybody's blind. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, the fact of the matter is it's, it's an amazing opportunity for anybody that, you know, that gets a bug in their ear that they want to go, you know, play television. 
And it's like Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland. Let's go outside to the the back forty and <laughs> produce a show. Absolutely. Uh, except now you go now you go in your basement and you do it there. I mean, I don't know I don't know anybody that's not doing something. It's fun. Absolutely. It's fun, exciting, and you get to imitate what you see on the tube. Well, and today's viral video could be you know, and again, if it's really a special moment, can be compared to some of these uh, moments of these 90-minute and hour-long uh, variety shows as well. I mean, God, I saw a kid, uh, a school band, using kind of those uh, grade school kind of musical instruments playing Led Zeppelin. And and I forget, I think it was uh, Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page posted right. it on his Facebook. And it really right. is the kind of moment that you would see on a variety show maybe decades ago. And it and it was this great video moment. Right. No, it was this it was it was it was a, a great i mean this is all these great moments and i'd like to say that uh that you know the, you can and let me tell you something you can do it too if you want to <laughs> so um you know everybody can put anything they want to if, if with a subscription and remember remember people are getting getting money from this if they get a big enough audience and some advertiser will come along and give them money for it no question um, it, yeah it, there might be an opportunity I mean, there's so many opportunities out there, and the movers and shakers—they were, they're the people, in my opinion, they are the people who set the standard, of course, and they are the people who win the awards. And do I think awards are important? I do think that awards are important. I think that the idea that you put your work out there to be judged by other people is is the most important thing. You know, I will never say that in any category of any of these folks that that uh, I interviewed, but I've, I've done a good bit of radio and television on the regional level in D.C. and in western Pennsylvania and, and the like, on the East Coast specifically. And, um, you know, I will tell you that I send all of my work out, uh, either to be, to be judged or to, be, or to air on regional PBS or to do, you know, to do regional, to do local radio or so forth and so on. And it's important that somebody else has judged it. And I look at these folks that I talk to. I, I don't. I don't remember. I, I guess we really should do a count of how many Emmys are involved with the people, you know, who, uh, who I interviewed. But I mean, it's got to be into the scores. Yeah. You know, you've got the Golden Globes, you've got Oscars, you've got uh, Grammy Awards. You know, you've got all of these awards, um, and these are important people. The Tony Awards. They're all important. Agreed. And the, these are the folks. These are the folks that, that you, you you talk about. You don't talk about. Usually, you don't talk about uh, Mary Beth Liebman, who put out something on YouTube. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Well, you got some amazing names. I mean, my God, uh, two of the juniors in particular, George Stevens Jr. and Spike Jones Jr. They're they're uh, you know, I mean, that that's uh, certainly famous fathers as well. But these guys are very accomplished as well. And uh, what was it like talking to some of these people? You know, uh, it, 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 talking to them was all. Every single one of them was, was was were great. They were great people to talk to, and they. Uh, you see, Steve did something I didn't know. He sent out my resume, um, basically, and I didn't even know this. He said one day, way years ago now, he said, "Send me your resume." I said, "Okay, I'll send you my resume." So I didn't know this, but he sent this out to all these guys and said, basically, just tell them that I wasn't some fly by night, uh, sure. you know, person. And, and so I, I get back this. So I, I get back this email that Steve said uh, he forwards to me, and it goes. It was from George Schlatter, and said George Schlatter said said, oh, she's writing a book about us. I don't know why we were not fi- writing a book about her. Oh, and, that's really uh, nice. Very cool. It was so it was so cool, and uh, and so I got him to autograph it, of course, and put it on my wall. <laughs> uh, 
but uh, but my my but talking to George Stevens was I mean let, talking to George Stevens talking to George Stevens Jr. was really one of the highlights, and talking to Spike was also wonderful. Well, and let me talk about Spike first. He was just a genuinely nice person who had grown up in Hollywood and knew his way around, and was very insightful and very you know very forthcoming uh, on what he thought about the variety television and what he did in the business and how it all impacted everything and. One of the things that that I remember about him specifically was literally how open he was and how forthcoming he was with his answers. Um, walking into George Stevens Jr.'s office was literally walking into history. Um, I'm a Washingtonian, so of course the Washington, the Kennedy Center Honors, which he used to produce, yes. was very high on my my list. So you walk into his office, which was uh, at the Kennedy Center, and on one side it was it was a an office of wasn't that wide. It was probably about 18 feet wide, maybe less than that. And it was like 35 feet long. So it was relatively long and narrow. And on one side, it was George Stevens meets Washington. Okay, so you had George Stevens with all these presidents and George Stevens with, you know, with all these these congressmen and George Stevens with, you know, on Capitol Hill and at the White House. And on the other side, it was George Stevens meets Hollywood. And, And you had all these pictures of George Stevens with Cary Grant and George Stevens with his with his father and George Stevens doing HUD and Giant and all of these other movies that they were so important. And so, you know, it was like being a kid in a candy shop. And it, and he was just a gentleman's gentleman. He he sat down and he answered all of these questions that we had and uh, spent a, a good almost two hours with him, maybe a little bit more, just fascinating you know, questions and answers and fascinating his, his take on how everything went together was uh, was was really memorable. And I hope that that people, when they read it, uh, will understand that George Stevens Jr. Uh, was uh, was in, in a unique position to be able to look at television and look at, at the industry. And Spike Jones Jr. was equally, from the West Coast uh, point of view, also equally uh, able to look at all of these people and movers and shakers and 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 what made entertainment entertainment in those days. So that was neat. Well, that's the thing. I think you know, especially those two and their fathers and their contributions to. You know, in, in Spike Jones' case, uh, recording music and and also early radio and television, and that you know right. to see the transition into television through their father's eyes, and the same obviously uh, with uh, Mr. Stevens. I mean, my God, what an incredible filmmaker his father was, and then George himself to be able to you know take some of his father's footage, make those amazing documentaries, and as you say, the the, the work that he did himself. Uh, in Hollywood and in Washington and everything. So, yeah, I, I, you know, that, I mean, they've lived through this evolution of where television began. And I would think the variety show in particular, it was part of the novelty of television because coming into your home was this, you know, Broadway style entertainment, but you didn't have to pay a ticket for it. it you know, you just plugged it in and turned it on. And, you know, I know uh, your show of shows certainly was competing with uh, the Broadway of its day and, and certainly scaring uh the Broadway stages with that kind of quality entertainment every week. I, I, mean, I don't know whether it was scaring it, but I, but certainly bringing these things into everybody's home was was magical. Uh, but television was magical. You know, I mean, black. I, I tell my students, I grew up on black and white television. Okay? okay, and and I keep and I tell my students, I you know, I get to I get to meet wonderful, wonderful young people on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, sometimes. And I keep saying them. You know, when I used to grow up and watching television, I watched back on my television, but I actually saw it in color. 
You know, when I looked at when I looked at a television show that was that, like the Lone Ranger, and the Lone Ranger was outside, I didn't see gray as the sky. I saw it as blue. Interesting. You know, and, and and the same thing. You know, and so and you talk to these kids about about black and white television. And they look at you with uh, <laughs> as though you are really from another planet, and you should you know you should have been put out of your misery quite a lot a long time ago. Uh, but uh, it's a, it's a different it's a different world. It's a different media, and that's why variety television is more so much. And I think that that if you you know when you read the book and you read these different people's answers, you asked a question before about about uh, technology and about you know, how it's all morphed. Well, it really depends on the person. You know, it depends on whether or not uh, they they see television as something that is going to be is is uh, self-contained or whether it's something that it's not. I mean, Steve you know, when Steve did his shows uh, when he when he did the. The, the comeback special, if you look at the comeback special, um, what you see is you see magically beautiful lighting and just the ability to be able to capture the essence of the people who are involved, namely Elvis. And it's, it's a magical show, which is why it stood the, the, the test of time. Um, and you, you look at a lot of the other shows that these other folks did, and they're just, they're just really wonderful shows. But on the other hand, you look at the more up-to-date shows like Glenn Weiss, who does the Tony Awards every year, and okay. he is he and now his partner now doing also doing the Kennedy Center Honors, and and you look I mean you look at, at Louis J. Hurwitz and and what he does with the Oscars, and these these shows are all modern shows now. Um, they are shows that are are paced differently. These are shows that are are trying to capture a different audience, and uh, but they're using the same tools that they had. Which is what, which is why we love them, and it's one of the reasons we will continue to look, we'll look at them all the time. I really love though in that period, especially during the '60s and '70s, when videotape was new, and there really was a lot of conceptual creativity beyond the staging and lighting of, uh, you know, a stage performance of a song or a choreographed dance. I mean, that '68 comeback special, you know, Steve was talking about the, you know, just that great impromptu session that he has with his old. Uh, his old uh, musicians, Elvis, and, and around the live audience. And that great moment where Elvis really does seem comfortable recapturing the 50s Elvis in that 68 special. But really some of those other, you know, the karate uh, segment. And, and uh, am I right? Was Guitar Man part of that 68 comeback special too? I think it might have been. Okay, but yeah, but you know, I mean, that's the thing that like there really was. I mean, you know, we, we all lived through that, you know, music video period of MTV where beyond right. you know singing there was a story behind the videos and stuff but you got you know it all those came from obviously the variety television directors and producers that wanted to do something more than just have you know the singer on the stage singing with a great orchestra well the 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 most fun i mean the most fun of that was was the idea of being able to the most fun of that was being able to uh you know, to talk to these guys because they were there. I mean, I, trust me. There's a lot of stuff I couldn't, we couldn't put in the book. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of material that was says, "Can I tell you this off the record?" And oh, I said, sure. "Well, sure you can." And, uh, <laughs> and it, of course, of course, those are the stories that you want to tell people. You're not going to. Um, and and uh, but their insights into the personalities involved and the the people involved. And the talent involved, and and their their collegiality with each other, it just is really amazing. I mean, there's a fellow. I'm I'm sure that uh, that if you, as you read the book, you read about Dwight Hamian. I mean, Dwight Hamian was just this giant in the in the world of variety television, and eighty percent of these folks learned something from Dwight Hamian. 
because he was such an artist when it came to creating television and cre- and capturing it. But the biggest thing that all of them will say is, look, I remember Louis J. Hurwitz saying, look, you know, it used to be we'd get two and three and four weeks to be able to create a television show. Now we've got five days. You know, we've got we've got five days because Obviously. of the expense. Yeah. And, and it's the time element that, that, you know, how do you create something of that level? And they do it all the time, these fellows and women. And, you know, how do you do it day after day and still hold on to the the quality of the show? Um, and that that seems to me to be what the part and parcel of, of the what they're doing is. And it is the technology. I mean, it's being able to take a camera out. I believe it was Dennis Rosenblatt takes a camera out and and shoots all over uh, the world. And he comes back and he puts together these shows. Uh, you know, it's you know, I, there's no other word to say it besides. It's just really neat. Sure. You know, and. Uh, in every sense of the word, they just do something that that we mere mortals can't do, <laughs> and um, you know, and and I think that from a creative point of view, a creativity point of view, being able to to capture some of their ideas was what made the book morph from being just a history of of of, te- of television, a history of variety television, into what makes television tick. You know what is it about it that that gives people different vision? I mean, I, it all it it started morphing for me when I realized that they all had different definitions of everything, and uh, and I thought to myself, you know, there's no way that you can capture this unless you just let them tell their own stories and try to organize the material. You know, sure. like you know, should it be lighting? Should it be camera? Is it the talent? Is it the writing? Is it the c- comedy? I mean, Steve will always say. That his number, the number one reason that he's as great as he is, is because of his crews. And he'll talk more about his crews and the fact that he had the best crews ever worked for him at all the, all the time he was working. And other people will talk about their camera people. And, um, and it, it just goes on and on and on um, as to, you know, how to define it. You know, the, the question that we ask is define, define, uh, variety television. And it, that in itself is interesting because, what it shows is it shows the breadth and depth of the folks that were involved and how, and, and how passionate they were and how their visions are all different. And that's what makes TV special. That's what makes variety television special. And that's what makes it fun. Okay. You know, I mean, you, you know, we don't watch television because we, we want to learn about uh, amoebas. We, we watch television <laughs> We watch television because we want to be engaged. Absolutely. We want to, we want to be entertained. And variety television in all of its different uh, uh, iterations, it continues to, to be fun and to entertain and to engage. And it's, that's really where it is. It's funny because you would think, you know, some people say, oh, variety TV is dead, and, or Martin Short and, uh, and, and now blanking uh, the other woman from Saturday Night Live uh, that uh, he's doing the current uh, NBC show. And it's sketch comedy and it's sort of variety. But really the late night shows are, uh, are really variety shows. They aren't the talk shows that Dick Cavett was or Parr. You know when they when they started back back in those days, and they had you know occasional musical acts, but it really was a straight up interview show. And I would even al- almost argue now that uh, really all three major networks they really are doing late night variety in, in their talk shows. Well, and that's your definition. Sure. Okay. That's your that's your definition, and a lot of people argue against that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, if you re- when you read the book, and I'm talking to your audience right now, but when they read the book, they'll understand. It, it really depends on your definition of how you're defining variety. Okay. Um, and uh, one, one gentleman 
in particular, a fellow by the name of Don Misher, uh, Don Misher Productions. Uh, uh, Mr. Misher said, he said, everybody can create variety television right now by going and going to YouTube and and choosing what you want to watch. And I, you know, I I have uh, a difference of opinion with my co-author on this, but I I think that there's a lot of truth in that. Um, that you can create your own variety television. It's not variety television the way that many people would conceptualize it. But you know, Carol Burnett's you know Carol Burnett's in reruns right now. Sure. And you've got you've got uh, Martin Short and uh, Maya Wright, Maya, Maya, Maya Rudolph, Rudolph yes. Um, you know, trying to do this show on NBC with mixed results. Yes. And uh, and it's you know and it, do and as I watch that show, I would like to I'd like to change it. But of course, I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell them that, uh, <laughs> because now, of course, now, of course, for one brief moment in my life, I'm the expert on something. So, you know, that's you know, awesome. I've talked. I've talked to more people than even they've talked to. So, um, can that's you imagine? Though, can you imagine if shows like Carol Burnett had the advantages of social media and a thing like that classic Gone with the Wind parody would you know immediately be shared? The next day, the way that a really good moment on a, on a Jimmy Kimmel show or on the Maya Rudolph uh, Martin Short show are, are shared and, the way it, they are. Too. You know, it it would it, it's good and bad because then you get into uh, who owns the intellectual property. I mean, I know that's a really far reach for all of this, but you know, when somebody steals something off of a show that's not that's not copyrighted and puts it on YouTube, it's on there for two days and it's pulled off. I mean, this happened in 2000, wait, we're in 2016, 2012, the London Olympics, okay? Yes. It was the opening of the London Olympics with, with, with 007 yes. uh, parachuting in with the, with the Queen. It was a classic moment of television. It was just a great moment of television. It went instantly to YouTube, and within a day and a half, it was instantly pulled off of YouTube. Oh, that's interesting. I would assume that, because like a lot of those Maya Rudolph, Martin Short things, those are put out by NBC or you know, right, other shows. Go on. Please. They're put out by NBC. But the Olympics didn't because, want that out there. Well, I think it might have been the Queen that didn't want it out there, but who knows? <laughs> I don't know her very well. I, I'd only like to meet her, you know, soon. That's my next life. Uh, but uh, but no, I mean, it was taken off almost immediately. Uh, but they, it was that. out there for like 24 hours, and then they pulled it off again. Wow. No, I, I didn't remember that. That's really interesting. But again, this is the changing world we're in, and that's why it's like I agree if it's if – it's, uh, I mean, I, you know, I've got my own, uh, you know, intellectual property that I try to protect and everything. But yeah, I mean, and you, you know, can't, you can't do right, it. Right. That was really hard. <laughs> you can't do it. I mean, I mean, you can't do it. You know, the, the intellectual property is the name of the game, and you look, you put out something, you put out something like the, the, the Maya and Martin show, and you, know, you can't do it. It's, Somebody's going to steal whatever they want. Wow. No, it's good food for thought. Well, you know, seriously, congratulations on this amazing list of uh, uh, producers and directors that you did get to talk to. I mean, you've mentioned some of these names like uh, Mitchner and George Schlatter and Lorne Michaels, of course. Was uh, was that a, was that a tough get, Lorne Michaels? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I can go for the hesitation. Go on. Uh, um, as little as you want. I, 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 I. It was. It was. It was. Um, it was the um the final piece okay and uh and it took a long time to do it and because i am a a, a woman of 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 good breeding 
I will not go into how difficult it was to get to talk to Mr. Michaels. Well, I'm but I will also, get it, though. Go on. I will also say that that he was really very nice when I talked to him. Um, and he was uh, really very forthcoming uh, with the, in the time that he gave. He was the only one of the movers and shakers that I was not allowed. I did not get to talk to in person. I talked to him on the phone. I see. Um, but everybody else uh, I spoke to in person, and I've, I've got videotape and audio tape. But um, but he did take the time to do it, and he and, and his his answers were, as you will see in the book, uh, very interesting. And he's a very interesting guy. I mean, he's the king of television right now. Um, no question. You know, well, and, uh, he and, is. And then even prior to Saturday Night Live, came from, you know, God, from Canada in their variety television world uh, and doing not only uh, producing and directing, but obviously performing as well in Canada. Then those Lily Tomlin specials of the early 70s leading up to Saturday Night Live. And as you say now, no, he's he is the king of television, all yeah. the programs that he controls. Uh, you know, that's. But he, you, you know, he worked for George Schlatter. Yes, I do. Yes. And I'm sure that's and, in the book. And, yeah. And that and and the fact that and I mean I, I can't imagine being in in those days. I also can't imagine being in the world of of Sid Caesar. You know, I mean these are geniuses. These are people that are just completely, you know, unencumbered by by the the pull of the earth, and they just really let their imagination go. And they they came up with a template that works. You know, how does the the template of Saturday Night Live work? Because it worked over and over and over again. And how did Schlatter work? Schlatter, you know, George Schlatter put together a show that was, um, in its time, just ultimately one of the most amusing shows ever. Sure. Tommy Smothers also, you know, yes. the Smothers Brothers. Absolutely. Uh, they were they were just simply wonderful shows, and people watched them for that reason. I, I, uh, I remember my parents. I mean, you know, I was very little, but we watched the Smothers Brothers. We watched Laughing, and yeah, yeah they too. were, you know, yeah, they were that cocktail uh, uh, generation. Uh, my my parents, the Rat Pack kind of generation. Not the rock and roll generation, so it was. It was just great fun. Yes, and the the best thing, you know, one of the things I've suggested with Fade Up is that people uh, look at YouTube. You know, have YouTube going at the same time they're reading the book, um, because a lot of the a lot of the different pieces are out on YouTube now. Yes, and and uh, you know, and with the with the blessings of the creators, and so you can you can look at some see some of the creations of of Dwight Hemian and Gary Smith. You can see pieces that were done of Barbara Streisand back in those days. You can you can look and see some of the pieces of, of Laugh-In. You can look at your show of shows. A lot of this work is all on YouTube, and it's it's so much it's so interesting to look at it because, first of all, a lot of these people are either uh, older or else, unfortunately, they passed away. And uh, their work is wonderful. I mean, and you then look at the work today, and you see the roots of television today. Yes. You know, what are we trying to measure up to today? We're trying to measure up to the excellence that was that was uh, uh, established, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And, uh, you know, goodness knows I'm still struggling. I don't know about you. Well, I'm totally I'm still, still struggling. Looking, I hear you. Yeah, I'm, still, I'm still looking for that, the magic bullet that, you know, will make me a household name like all these guys are household names. <laughs> But instead, I put, instead I I hooked my my wagon to Steve Binder's star, and uh, was he was kind enough to to take me along for the ride, and I will forever be grateful to him for this opportunity. No, I think it's I think it's a wonderful collaboration, and and really the book is exciting. You say you do you did video interviews as well. Would you try to put together um, uh, some sort of video presentation of these interviews? I would imagine to get clips. 
that that the clearance to get some of these clips would really be a hell of a, a challenge as well. Um, are you asking me about whether or not it, uh, the clips together of the interviews? Well, to put, I mean, obviously, I mean, you could use photographs, but yeah, making a t- making a television show of your interviews, and I don't know how easy that would be because then there, you know, you might want to be able to show as many clips as you can, and that might be a challenge. The answer is I don't know. I mean, okay. it, it's certainly. Let me put it to you this way: it hasn't not crossed my mind. Sure. Yeah. Well, you're so, from broadcasting. Um, I would think it. Of course exactly. It would. You know, I'm sitting on I'm really sitting on a treasure trove. I think that ultimately it will end up you know in a USC library. Uh, the the that information happens. is great, but but a lot of it would need to be edited down. I mean, a lot of it was off the record, and I respected that completely. Okay. I mean, these these men and women trusted me enough uh, because of Steve to to open up to me and to talk relatively honestly with me about what they did in, in television. And they talked about the personalities involved. And the insight that it gave me is something that, uh, excuse the expression, but I will probably take it to the grave with me. Uh, you know, we, we don't want to, we want to make sure that everybody gets their, their due. But, um, but there, are, there are gems in there. And also just listening to them. I, the Television Academy has a bunch of interviews with these folks, but they're different interviews. Uh, I've, I've looked at a lot of them. The interviews that they have with them have a different timbre to them than the ones that we did. So it's a lot of fun. Well, that's going to be a great comparison because I was going to bring up the Television Academy oral history interviews, and uh, that's a great point. You can you can uh, get fade up and uh, and really compare the stories and stuff. That's that's terrific. No, honestly, I, I really I've enjoyed the book, and it was great talking to Stephen. It's it's wonderful talking to you. I, I congratulate well, you on this. I hope you guys are uh, touring around at least to schools. To talk about this beyond uh, your your uh, locations in in DC and uh, and in LA, but I, I don't know what the plan is. Uh, the the answer is, you know, uh, this this whole thing has been such a surprise to me. Um, I'll tell you in about a year where we've been, and uh, and we'll see what happens. Uh, Steve, of course, has plans for a second book that he'd like to do. Uh, we'll see whether you know we'll see when that happens. But he would like to do now a, a similar book on on sitcoms. Oh, and fantastic! That could be really interesting for me. Of course, it would be it would be another OMG moment that I would get sit down and talk to everyone and um, and and you know and get you know I figure I've had I've had about a half an hour of fame right now. Now I'm going to go for the hour. At a girl. So, <laughs> so, we, so I can uh, I so I can get some commercials for it. But beyond that, everything is 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 as it is. Um, uh, I wish I had, you know, I wish I, I wish I could say I created variety television, but I haven't. All I've been able to do is report on it. And well, you I documented people, it. You know, yeah. Go, yeah, and you've had the opportunity to talk to the people that made it. I didn't mean to step on you there, but uh, that's no, it's wonderful. Uh, the book is called Fade Up Twenty Six: The Movers and Shakers of Variety Television. It's published by Kendall Hunt and uh, co-written by Steve Minder and our current guest Mary Beth Liebman. I, I really appreciate this, and good luck with the book. I, I really think. Uh, it's it's a great document that uh, really marks uh, the trailblazers and and the the innovators uh, of yesterday and today that that make variety television as compelling as it is. So congratulations well, I, and good luck. Thank you, and and I hope that the readers find it just a really great read. I think it is just a great read. Uh, it's fun to read it. It's interesting. It's thought provoking, but mostly it's just plain engaging. And I hope that people find it uh, as much fun to read as we had writing it. 
That's Mary Beth Liedman, co-author of Fade Up, The Movers and Shakers of Variety Television, a very cool book that deserves your attention. Uh, I hope you do check it out. And uh, thanks to Mary Beth for uh, talking to us today. If you're thinking about buying the book, maybe you could purchase it at Amazon and uh, do that through the Word Balloon portal. And that way we get a little kickback for that. Uh, something to consider. But I uh, hope you enjoyed today's conversation on Word Balloon. Still have a lot of San Diego Comic-Con uh, material to present to you in the days ahead. Uh, I still got my two panels uh, with uh, Sal Abinati about buying uh, original comic book art. And uh, certainly with uh, Hollywood uh, storyboard artist and comic book artist Trevor Goring talking about the early history of comic book and comic strip films. Great panel that we did at San Diego Comic-Con. So those and lots more coming up in the days ahead here at Word Balloon. Keep listening and uh, looking for the new posts. Thanks again for listening today. Thank you, League of Word Balloon listeners, for your continued support as well. Questions or comments about the show, you can reach me via email, john at wordballoon.com. Or you can uh, talk to me via Facebook, uh, my name, John Suntress, or on Twitter, uh, my handle is at John Word Balloon. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. More great conversations coming in the days ahead. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2016.